Well, I was all prepared today uh, to preach to you on the seven seals of Revelation, and I did not feel in my spirit that I, I could do that without first going back to Daniel, and uh, we're not going to read the whole book of Daniel, but uh, we want to talk about the 70-week prophecy that Gabriel gave, and <clears throat> how many of you feel like you understand the 70, in all honesty, how many of you feel like you got a, a firm handle on the 70-week prophecy? Kind of, sort of? All right, that's why we're doing this this morning, I guess. And uh, so it's not for lack of preparation. Like I said, I could tear into the seven seals right now. And, uh, and that's what I wanted to do, honestly. But this is very important, this 70-week prophecy that Gabriel gave to Daniel. And, and I got a little clicker here, so I might get to give Sam a break. Let me see if it works. Oh, yeah, it's working. All right, and I've got a pointer too. Look at that, man. All right, so we're going to be in Daniel chapter nine. I have to be careful; I don't point that in anybody's face. <clears throat> Daniel chapter nine. And we're just going to read verse 24 to start with. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Daniel 9, 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconcili reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and then to anoint the most holy in it. It should be most holy place there. That's what the Hebrew word uh, means there. <clears throat> so we're just talking about the 70-week prophecy of Daniel. But before we do, I'm going to ask Preacher Larry if he'll pray for us. Give us all of our sins. We ask in Amen. Thank you. Alright, so uh, it's unfortunate that our translation says weeks here because it leads to confusion, but the word is actually, uh, it means seven. And some translations will say 77s uh, are determined. It's just like a dozen. You know, there could be a dozen of anything. It could be a dozen eggs. Could be a dozen donuts. Uh, I'm thinking about that right now. A dozen donuts. Um, Y'all pray that they don't put a Krispy Kreme here in Peachland because it's going to be bad. Because <laughs> when those things are hot, you know, you can almost eat a whole dozen before you get to your destination. 
But uh, it's, it's 77s. Careful, Henry, getting in the flesh here. Now, understand that Daniel 9, that Daniel is, uh, let's look at verse Let's look at verses 1 through 4 there, and I've already slipped James the microphone because uh, Adam said his voice was gone, so I'm going to give him a break. But I think he lied because he sang pretty good just now. But uh, By the way, thank you, choir, for singing for Miss LaVon's funeral. Um, thank you so much for coming out, and I know we, um, we had some that don't normally sing in the choir, and y'all look so good up there. But I appreciate you doing that. Ronnie, thank you for recruiting everybody. Uh, Miss Lib, thank you for uh, recruiting everybody to do the meals. If you have any uh, dishes that you, uh, you brought yesterday, pans or dishes, they're in the fellowship hall in the kitchen, so you want to get those. And I just appreciate everybody that helped uh, make her memorial a, a Christ-honoring thing yesterday. Uh, James, would you read uh, verses 1 through 4, Daniel 9? In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem, and set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confessions and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keep the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Okay, thank you. So Daniel's reading uh, from the book of Jeremiah. And he understands that Jeremiah had predicted that Israel was going to go into captivity for 70 years. Now, if you do some, some uh, study outside of the book of Daniel, you find out why they went into the 70-year captivity. And uh, read, let's go to Leviticus now. Let's go to Leviticus, which is the uh, you know, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. So you should be able to find it fairly easily. Leviticus 25. And James, if I could get you to read verses 3 through 9. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year you shall be, but in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. That which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest, thou shalt not reap. Neither gather the grapes of, thy, of the vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land, and the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee and for thy servant and for thy maid and for thy hired servant and for thy stranger that sojourneth with thee and for thy cattle and for the beasts that are in the land shall all the increase thereof be meat. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of the seven Sabbath of years 
shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all of your land. All right, thank you. And I had no idea they were going to sing about the year of Jubilee this morning, but that just went right along with it. So they were supposed to let the land rest uh, after six years, uh, and the seventh, and they were not supposed to plan it. Well, guess what? They didn't do what God had told them to do. And we read in Second Chronicles uh, 36, and the, the scriptures appear on the board, that because they failed to keep the Sabbath years, they were going to go into captivity. For how, how many years? 70 years. So they, for, uh, for 490 years, they had neglected the, the Sabbath years, and so now uh, they're going to spend 70 years in captivity because of this. Um, James, are you still in Leviticus? Would you read 26, 32 through 35? And by the way, I'll email this to anybody that wants it, so don't feel like you've got to write feverishly if you're taking notes. I'll be glad to, to email this to you. And I will bring the land unto desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and I will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths, as long, it is, as long as it lieth desolate, and ye be in your enemy's land, even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbaths. As long as, as long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when ye dwelt upon it. All right, so God promised what was going to happen, and that's exactly what happened. Now we get back to Daniel uh, 9, and Gabriel says 70 weeks are determined. Uh, in Daniel 9, uh, you find that uh, while Daniel's praying, Gabriel shows up in verse 20. Um, verse 21, we find out that it's Gabriel by name here. Now, he says in verse 22 of Daniel 9, he says, I am come forth to give you skill and understanding. So this is not meant to confuse us. We're meant to be able to comprehend this. Okay. Now, verse 23, it says, At the beginning of your supplications, uh, I came forth. And notice he says, You're greatly beloved. I think it's fascinating that both Daniel and John received these revelations in their old age, and they're both beloved, and they're both in exile. I just find the symmetry of that uh, remarkable. And notice he's told to understand and consider the vision. All right, so 70 weeks, he says in verse 24, are determined upon who? And who is thy people? Israel. Daniel's people are Israel. And upon thy holy city, where is that? Is it Peachland? Marshville? No, it's Jerusalem. And I, and I make that point for a reason, because all this has to deal with the nation of Israel. Um, Romans eleven twenty five. Paul says that 
There's a mystery. You know what a mystery is? It's something that was not revealed in the Old Testament. That Israel is going to be saved. And it's going to be after the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Now in verse, uh, the end of verse 24, we're told of the six purposes of the 70 weeks or the 70, 77s. Number one is to finish the transgression. That is the rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. To make an end of sins uh, as a way of life for the Jewish people. To make an atonement for sins. To bring in an age of righteousness. Are we there yet, guys? No, if we are, that's, it's, it's, uh, my expectations were too high, I guess. Um, cessation of prophecy. No Old Testament prophet saw beyond the kingdom. They didn't see beyond that. Number six, to anoint the most holy place. Is there a temple in Jerusalem right now? No. So let's look at the starting point of the 70 weeks. And let, go ahead and turn over to Nehemiah. How many of y'all ever use a stopwatch? I used my phone. Every stop, good stopwatch has got a start button. It's got a pause button, right? And then a restart button. With the pause is the same as the restart, I guess. So there's, there's four possibilities of when the 70 weeks start. There's a definite starting point for the 70 weeks. Are you with me so far? Yes, Say yes, thank you. <laughs> Even if you're not, just fake it till you make it. Okay, so... There's three poss four possible decrees, but for the sake of time, I'm going to tell you which one it is. It's, it's found in Nehemiah. This is the only decree. The other three that I've got listed up here, they have to do with the rebuilding of the temple. But in Daniel 9, Gabriel says that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem, the city, until the Messiah shall be Seven weeks. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, are you in Nehemiah, James? Yes. All right. Would you read for us verses 1 through 8? This is the decree of Artaxerxes Longimanus. That means long arm guy. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine, and I gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad, when the city, the place of my father's, sepulchres lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire then the king said unto me for what dost thou make request so I prayed so I prayed to the God of heaven and I said unto the king if it please the king and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight and thou wouldst send me unto Judah unto the city of my father's sepulchres that I may build it 
And the king said unto me, The queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and will wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given to me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And the letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for gates of the palace which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Hallelujah. Do you see here that the king granted him permission not just to rebuild the temple but the city, the wall of the city. And that date is important because historians can tell us when the, the, uh, the year of his reign was and Artaxerxes Longimanus began to reign in 465 BC. You can Google it or you can consult your encyclopedia if you still use those. How many of you had some encyclopedias when you were a little kid? Man, I, I plagiarized many a book report using those things. <laughs> and uh, I shouldn't tell you such things, but anyway. So we can determine exactly when he began to reign and when the, uh, the 20th year of his reign was and so forth. So let's go back to Daniel 9. This is the starting point of the 70-week prophecy. Now, uh, when we say weeks, we're, remember, uh, Daniel's thinking in terms of years. 490 years they had ignored the Sabbath year. For 70 years they would be in Babylon. And now Gabriel's t talking to him in terms of years. Now, how many years is 70 times 7? 490. James just knew that. He didn't use his phone. Calculate that. Very good. So that's, that's when it starts. Now, this is the beginning of the 70-week prophecy. Now, you can do the math. Well, let me back up here for just a second. It says, from the going forth of the commandment, verse 25, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem unto the Messiah, who's that? Jesus Christ, the Prince, the Mashiach Nagid, shall be seven weeks and sixty, or three score and two weeks. So how many weeks is that? Seven plus sixty-two. It's an open book quiz. I got the number on the top there. 69 weeks, right? How many weeks are determined for Israel? 70 weeks. So Gabriel talks about the first 69. Are you with me so far? I know we don't say three score and 10, but you, you, you understand. That's, you understand the concept. All right. Now, if you do the math, which I'm not going to because it's already been done for us. Sir Robert Anderson did it in his book, Becoming Prince. He was a member of Scotland Yard. He helped catch Jack the Ripper. Brilliant guy. He did it in his book. Dr. Harold Honer, professor at Dallas Seminary, he did a calculation. They was, there was a difference of a year, uh, and Honer's is correct, I believe, because he factored in 
that uh, in those days they, they didn't count the first year of a, a king's reign uh, as part of his reign. But um, Harold Honer did the math. And if you do the math, and again, I'll email this to you. You can fact check it, drill it down, get out your calculator or your abacus or whatever you use. And guess what you're going to find is that Gabriel's prophecy brings us to Palm Sunday in the year 33 AD. And that's why the critics hate the book of Daniel because 500 years before the birth of Christ, Gabriel tells Daniel, this is when Messiah is coming to Jerusalem. Palm Sunday was the first time that Jesus presented himself as the Mashiach Nagid. All other times he had not allowed people to worship him. He'd say, if it was a Jewish person, he'd say, don't tell anybody. You know. uh, if it was a Gentile, he would tell them to go tell their friends. But if it was a Jew, he'd say, don't tell anybody. But on this day, Palm Sunday, the people are crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They are hailing him as Messiah on Palm Sunday. Now, there's a reason why they did it on Palm Sunday. It's because Zechariah had predicted that they would. Zechariah 9.9 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. O shout, daughter of Israel. Behold, your king comes unto you just having salvation lowly and doing what? Riding a donkey. You didn't want to say the King James Version, did you? It's okay. Some of you King James only people are uptight until it's not convenient for you. We'll say donkey, okay? That's what it is. And I preach out of the King James, but I'm not uptight about it. Um, so this is crucial. This is crucial, guys. Gabriel predicted that Jesus Christ would present himself as the king of Israel on Palm Sunday. Now here's the tragic thing. Even though it had been predicted, let's look in Luke 19. I've got it on the, the PowerPoint, but I'm going to give James another chance to read. You're a good sport, James. Thank you. Thank you. And read 41 through 44. You can read it off the board if you want to. Luke 19, 41 through 44, for those who are listening on the podcast. And, we had, and when he has come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou, at least in this day, the things which belonged unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and encompass thee around and keep thee on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Jesus rides into Jerusalem but he's not excited is he? He weeps. Why is he weeping? Because they didn't understand. But should they have understood? Yes, because Daniel, uh, Gabriel had predicted that to Daniel so many years 
before. Notice he said, you didn't know the time of your visitation. You ever wonder why Matthew records the wise men coming to baby Jesus? You ever wondered about that? It's actually a rebuke to the Jewish people because they should have understood. But the people from Babylon knew it instead. How did they know it? Because of Daniel and the prophecy of, uh, of Gabriel. All right, back to Daniel 9. After 69 weeks, after the 7 and 62, Messiah shall be what? Cut off. What does that mean? Anybody? It'd be killed. The, word, the, the Hebrew word means to be uh, killed. The Old Testament prophets predicted that Jesus would die. Now here is where the stopwatch, we hit the pause button. We've had 69 weeks of years so far. Are you with me? That's 483 years total of the 490. Now the pause button, and after the 62 and 7, which is 69, what happens? Jesus dies. Right after Palm Sunday, Christ dies on Calvary. Okay? The Messiah is cut off. And this was prophesied in the Old Testament. Now, um, some translations will say, and not for himself. Is that what yours says? Or some will say he has nothing. Both are, are accurate. When Jesus died, it, it would seem that uh, all was lost from earthly perspective. Because there's no kingdom. Notice the next thing in Daniel 9, 26. The people of the prince. Notice it doesn't say the prince. Some people say that the Antichrist came in 70 AD. That's the preterist position. But it doesn't say the prince, does it? It says the people of the prince shall come. And they're going to do what? Destroy the city and the sanctuary. When did that happen? 70 A.D., wow, great job, guys. And who did it? The Romans. So we've already got a, a, a pause and a gap, don't we? Jesus died in 33, 32 A.D., depending on how you calculate. But the city was not destroyed until when? 70. So we already know there's a gap, Right? There's something different about this 70th week. It hasn't started yet. Now Titus did that in 70 AD. He destroyed the temple. Over a million people died. That leaves us with how many weeks to go? One week, right? The 70th week of Daniel.
Now, the 69 weeks are contiguous. That means there was no break. There was no break between them. But the 70th week already has a gap. There's already a gap before the 70th week. At least of 30 some odd years. You say, well, Henry, what, on what basis do you talk about gaps? Go with me to Isaiah. Isaiah 9. Now, every Christmas, those of you that mail out Christmas cards, you're going to see this verse. You may, have, you may not have ever paid attention to it, but this verse has a gap in it. James, would you read it for us? Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All right. Now notice the first part of that verse. Unto us a child is born. That's Christmas. I know some of you don't celebrate Christmas, and I understand I'm just talking about the incarnation when I say Christmas. I'm not talking about Santa Claus and, and all that stuff. Ho, ho, ho. You know, I, I heard a joke that says when you're, um, when you're, you're little, you, you believe in Santa Claus, and then when you get older, you, you, you are Santa Claus. And, and then eventually you, you look like Santa Claus. So I'm not sure where I am on that continuum, but I'm getting closer every day. But do you see there's a difference here between a child is born, a son is given? That's the birth of Christ. What about that second part? The government shall be upon his shoulder. Has that happened yet? Well, not so far as you'd notice. No. Is it going to happen? You better believe it. So there's a gap, right? The Old Testament prophets didn't understand this when they were prophesying. All right, what about Zechariah 9? We've already read about Palm Sunday. Let's read it again. Zechariah 9. Uh, James, would you read verses 9 and 10? Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Israel. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt the foal of an ass and I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace unto the heathen and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and from the river even to the ends of the earth alright one prophecy but do you see a gap here Verse 9 speaks of Palm Sunday, or the triumphant entry, if you prefer. Verse 10 has not happened yet, not so far as you'd notice. Christ's dominion has not, uh, is not ruling from sea to sea. So you see the gap there? All right. Back to Daniel. Daniel 9. Is any of this becoming any more clear than it was before? Thank you, Jesus. If not, like I say, listen to the tape or CD 
podcast. Get this. You, you need to understand. The reason I, I, I wanted to go back and do this, I feel led by the Spirit, is because we're getting into the Re- book of Revelation, the tribulation period, which is the 70th week of Daniel. And you need to understand, uh, understand that so that you're not led astray. Are we back in Daniel 9, verse 27? It says, and he shall confirm the covenant with the many for how long? How many years is that? Seven years. People say, well, how do you know the tribulation lasts seven years from Daniel 9, 27? Now, who is the he that's making the covenant? Say it louder, Miss Mary. You had it right. The Antichrist. Some people say, well, this is Jesus making a covenant. Well, that won't work. As Stanley Toussaint would say, that dog won't hunt, that bird won't fly, that, that boat won't float. Because this person who signs a covenant, in the middle of the covenant, he breaks the covenant. Has Jesus ever broke a promise to anybody? No, sir. So that can't be him. We can look to the nearest antecedent. So who is the one that's making a covenant? It is the prince that shall come from the, the, the nearest antecedent there. This is what starts the seven-year tribulation, by the way. It's not the rapture. It's the signing of a covenant. That is how you know the tribulation has started. It's not earthquakes. It's not famine. It's not wars or rumors of wars. The signing of the covenant is what starts the tribulation period. The Antichrist makes a covenant for one week. Seven years. Y'all with me? Okay. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Thank God it doesn't say with all, because there will be a remnant of Jews that don't. They're not on board with it. They're not going to. They're not going uh, to serve Antichrist. Now, notice it says in the middle of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice. And the oblation to cease. Well, you know what that means, don't you? That means there's got to be a temple there. Are they sacrificing animals in Israel right now? No. Why? No temple, right? Now, this middle of the week is what Jesus referred to as the abomination of desolation. So let's go to Matthew 24. Y'all remember when we spent all that time looking at the Olivet Discourse? And why you say, why is it called Olivet? It's because we're confused by all of it. No. It's because it was told on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus talked about wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilence. But he said, all of those things are going to happen, but that's not the end. All right, James, you want to read Matthew 24, 15 through 21. You're almost done, brother. You're on the home stretch. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken by Daniel the prophet. Wait, wait, you're right there. Spoken up by who? Daniel. 
Jesus said, you want to know when you're in the middle of the tribulation period? Go back and read the book of Daniel. What prophecy is it? Daniel 9.27, the 70-week prophecy. In the middle of the week of the seven years, he will cause the oblation and the offering to cease, right? All right, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Keep, keep going, brother, I'm sorry. Stand in the, uh, the abomination, uh, excuse me. When, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. It's 22, read that too, just, just for emphasis. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Okay, so this is the, the abomination of desolation that happens in the middle of the week. And Jesus said, when you see that, when the Antichrist goes into that temple and he proclaims himself to be God, they are to run, not walk. And notice how Jewish all of that is. He says, let them that be in Peachland run to Polkton. Is that what it says? No. It says, them who are in Judea flee um, into the mountains. And he talks about, pray that your flight be not on the winter of the Sabbath day. Those are Jewish concerns. Not, not us. Travel in the winter is not bad for us, is it? I mean, generally speaking. Now, I know if we get snow flurries, everybody's all been out of shape. And we're sliding all over the road trying to get bread and milk. But for the most part, winter is not a big deal for us, is it? But in, the, in Israel, the wadis are flooded. All right. Now, the end of Daniel 9, 27, he talks about the overspreading of abominations. He shall make it desolate. The Antichrist is going to set up an idol in this temple. Abominations are, is an idiom for an idol. Until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. The Antichrist is going to be judged. Look with me in Revelation 19. This is not Titus. This didn't happen in 70 A.D. In 70, in 70 A.D., Titus, after he conquered Israel, he went back and lived like a, a rich man. Daniel 19. James, why don't you just go ahead and read 19. Uh, read everything on the board there. I've got Revelation 20 up here too, if you can see that. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, 
and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the Revelation 20.10 And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's what's going to happen to the Antichrist and to everybody who rejects Jesus Christ. Purposes of the 70th week. This is my last slide. How about that? Sam was so nervous this morning when he saw how many slides I had. Up there. He said, thank God you got a clicker today. You owe me one, buddy. <laughs> Purposes of the 70 weeks. They have nothing to do with the church. It's about Israel and, and the holy city, Jerusalem. The 70th week will be just like the other 69. And who are they concerning? Israel. Notice in the book of Revelation, after the first couple of chapters, the book of Revelation gets real Jewish. You got 144,000 Jews, two witnesses, temple, Israel fleeing into the wilderness, and so forth. This time period is called the time of whose trouble? Jacob. Jeremiah 37. Look with me in Daniel 12. James, I promised you I'd give you the time, time off, but I'm going to put you back to work just for one more time. Would you read Daniel 12, 1 through 7? And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn away, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, old Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in the linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand, and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, 
O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. All right, thank you. Notice the end of verse 7. It says, These three and a half years, these last three and a half years, what, what is it to accomplish? To scatter the power of the holy people. To break Israel's pride. You see that? Not to purify the church. Let's stand. Let's stand. Now, some people believe the first three and a half years are going to be a cakewalk. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll come next week, you'll learn it for yourself. In the first three and a half years of the tribulation, uh, over a fourth of the world's population is destroyed. There's, as of November, there's 8 billion people on the planet. So that's 2 billion with a B. 2 billion people. If, the, if it started today, 2 billion people would be dead by the time we get to the abomination of desolation. So those people who were saying, oh, the first three and a half years, it's not going to be a big deal. No, understand this. The first three and a half years is for the whole world. But Israel is dealing, they're in security because of their covenant with the Antichrist. It doesn't really get hot and heavy for Israel until the three and a half years, the middle of the week, okay? That's why Jesus put the emphasis on the abomination of desolation. You understand? Okay. If not, I'd be glad to talk with you more about it in, in subsequent days and weeks. But here's the big thing, guys. There's a judgment coming. And... All who do not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are going to end up in the lake of fire. But Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could be saved. He was put in a borrowed tomb and He rose again the third day. And if we put our trust in Him, we don't have to worry about any of this stuff. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest... You can calm your anxiety right now by putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When the tribulation starts, there are no more believers on the earth. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that next week. Can you imagine a world with no believers on the planet? It's bad enough now, isn't it? It's bad enough. Christ has promised deliverance from the wrath to come. Christian, have you been filled with the Spirit? It's a command. The Bible says we need to be filled with the Spirit. What about your crowns and your rewards? Are you laying up treasure in heaven? If not, you can start today. Today is the day for a new beginning. And Christ has got his arms stretched out wide saying, won't you come? Won't you come? Just as you are.